Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group headed by yours truly. And as I record this, we are a few weeks away from uh, the premiere of Emmanuel in Sin City, film number 15 from me under the Desperate Visions Productions production company. And uh, that's my production company. I did a couple films before that for Burning Grounds. I did a room of a film called Room 412. And I was a co-director on two other films of theirs, uh, Anxiety and uh, Ladybugs. So, but uh, yeah. And then uh, other stuff too. A couple shorts. But yeah, so that's officially film 15 from Desperate Visions Productions. And uh, a sub-production company from there called Rio Scene, R-I-O-C-I-N-E, and uh, that's my other side company as well. So, yeah, so with this you'll see Rio Scene and Desperate Visions Productions on these types of films that I do. <clears throat> so unless there's something totally different, they'll be both, so. All right, well, we are here on this day to talk about uh, film 125. So last episode was 121, this is 122. So last episode was The Sexual Story of O, and that's film 123. Well, film 124 is unreleased still, and I'd like to see it. A lot of people would like to see it, because it's during a good period. Uh, and the film of 124 is called Barrio Chino, translation Chinatown. So it's kind of like his uh, Alperera Chinatown variation. Uh, yeah, Chinatown, uh, and uh, also it's called Barrio Porno, and I guess they did a hardcore version as well. Of course, writer-director Jess Franco, uh, camera operator Jess Franco, editor Jess Franco, cast Antonio Mayans return as Al Pereira, Lena Romay, uh, Rosemarie Menure, Trino Treveris, of course, Carmen Caron, Jose Lamas, of course, and Flavia Mayans, that's Antonio's young daughter. Uh, it says, basically, uh, according to Franco, this very violent adventure film featured Franco's favorite private eye, Al Pereira, was completed but never found distribution. The title refers to a region of Barcelona between the Avanguada del Perel and the Lower Rambala, commonly associated with crime, drugs, and prostitution. Almost like a Rapongi or something like that, you know. Uh, although it translates literally as Chinatown or the Chinese Quarter, the name is actually a generic reference to all foreigners as the area was inhabited by immigrants from other parts of Spain or abroad. It's also a repetition on the Spanish title from Roman Polanski's Chinatown, which that's what I pulled from it. Uh, the area's looseness provided literary inspiration for uh, Jean Genet's The Thief's Journal, Franco's Rafifi in la Cudad, 1963, that's Rafifi in the city, was originally to have been set in the Barrio Chino, but to avoid censorship was moved to an unnamed point to a pronounced S&M element. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, Central, Central American location. Still is discovered by Christ, Christoph Beer, point to a pronounced S&M element with an actress dressed in rubber fetish dominatrix gear. Actually, that's Lena. Um... Wielding a writing crop. That's what's in the book as well. Uh, the same fetish gear can be seen in Lillian, 
the virtue perverted. So given that, uh, also too, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that Carmen Carrion wears in that film because I caught that. It looks like the evil queen from uh, Snow White. Um, so given the fetish rubber and leather were not part of personal interest to Franco or Romeo, it seems that likely Barrio Chino was filmed soon after the shooting block in which Lillian was lensed. A hardcore version called Barrio Porno was also created with scenes thought to have been added from another source, but it remains as elusive as the original. Picture only negatives for both films versions exist in the collection of the Filmoteca Espanol, where they were deposited by Photo Film Madrid in 1999. Wow, okay. So shit, dude. Picture only negatives. So there's no sound, just picture. Hmm. God, I wonder. I wonder if they could find this, the soundtrack for that. Well, in 99, this is 2022, so it's been like 22 years and nothing's came about since then. So, yeah, that was a 1983 film, but uh, still missing and was never, as of this recording, still not been found, so... Maybe that's one of the lost Franco films that hopefully can be found. So, yeah, looking at a couple pictures here, it looks very interesting. So, well, that film is interesting, but unfortunately, the film I'm about to talk to, I watched for a second time. And that brings us here to film 125, In Busca del Dragon Dorada. Dorado, it's male. Uh, it's In Search of the Golden Dragon. And it is a children's film. Um, this is Franco's, I believe, second children's film, the other being a, a Captain of 15 Years. And these two are somewhat two of my least favorite Franco films. Um, and hear me out. I'm all, I'm all for kids' movies. I like kids, you know, ones that are done well. And, and I've grown up, and I still enjoy those older films. Nothing current, but, you know, the old style, like, say... I guess maybe, I don't know about Wizard of Oz, but like, say, The Love Bug or, you know, some of the Disney 60s ones or um, certain kids' movies that are done for kids. or The Muppets and all that stuff I enjoy. So, you know, I'm all for that. But this movie is very long and very drawn out. And, uh, I mean, I like that. And, you know, as a filmmaker, I always say that. I always try to speak positive of other works. I don't say, oh, this movie's a piece of shit or it's... I mean, I have I, I learned actually watching this film what to do, what not to do, and and I did pick up some some keys from watching this film. So I did I did learn from it. So it's it's totally you know not all a mess. And honestly, it's not my least favorite Franco film. Um, I think Les Abrenales or uh, Les Les Chantelis is like my least favorite one. One of the nun films that's just utterly boring. But so anyway, on to this. Of course, we get all information for this era of franco from flowers of perversion volume two by stephen thrower the delirious cinema of jesus franco all right this is uh search of the golden dragon this was filmed in spain in 1983 course by golden films international he's starting to wrap up his golden films period here i think there's only like one more golden films after this uh, theatrical distributor Columbus, I'm sorry, Columbia Films, uh, and then Cinema 2000. Um, this movie basically played in two theaters, and I think just two days, one day, one day each. So yeah, we'll get to that, but that's funny. So timeline: He shot this in summer of 1983, so I would guess maybe June or July, maybe. Uh, and he got the legal number in October. Yeah, that's about three months. That's about right. Because he's been doing about making a film and then three, four months later putting it out. So, sounds about right. 
date for approval, December 26th, day after Christmas, uh, 1983. And then Seville, it played for one day on August 24th of 1985. And then it played Barcelona for one day, uh, two years later, on November 15th, 1987. Wow, that's a big jump. So yeah, he made it real fast, and then sat on the shelf for two years, and then uh, played once, and then a year, two years went by and played again. Wow, that's really, really low. I can kind of see why. Uh, of course, 83 minutes long in Spain. Video running, time converted, 82 minutes, 23 seconds. Writer-director, Jess Franco. Of course, he takes his name off this, and he's billed as James P. Johnson. Director of photography, Juan Solar Cozar. Camera assistant, Enrique Diaz. Music, Daniel White as Pablo Vila, and uncredited, Jess Franco. Um, of course, uncredited camera operator, Jess Franco. Production manager, Antonio Mayans. Editor, Jess Franco. And, of course, executive producers, the Laragas, Stella and Emilio from Golden Films. So, on this, Jess Franco is the writer, the director, the musician, co-musician, camera operator, and editor. Yeah, that's about right. All jobs. (laughs) All right, cast on this bad boy. Uh, Cesar Antonio Serrano. Billed as Lee Young, and he plays Samura, a supernatural warrior. And he's like a Bruce Lee clone that Franco voices in his bird sounds slash Bruce Lee wah, 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 type of thing. He mixes it together very bizarrely. Um, Flavia Mayans, little Flavia, that's uh, Antonio Mayans' daughter, she plays or as Flavia. Hervas, I love that she even has a fake name, um, and she plays Flavia. Uh, Ivana Mayans as Vanessa, and she's Vanessa Angel Eyes, or I'm sorry, Almond Eyes. So it's two daughters of the two young girls in this, and actually they're they're very t- good. The two young girls, they're 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 very good leads, very talented children. Luis Rodriguez plays Rio. Trino Traveras plays Solomon. Hannah Witz, a treasure hunter. Jess Franco plays Chen, C-H-E-N, a mystic. Emilio Linder plays Flavia's father. Juana de la Morena plays Flavia's mother. Rosa Marie Menuner plays as Jose... as Josette Graf plays Hannah Witz, a psychic. Uh, yes, yeah, Solomon Hannah Witz, a psychic. So the two bad guys are Trino Taveras and Maria Menuner. And uh, Rafael Caetano is one of Anawitz's thugs. There's not much written on this, so I'm just going to go ahead and read the synopsis. Um, just kind of give you a heads up. Because in the review... Um, oh, yeah. So before we do that, uh, my guest reviewer for this episode is um, a woman named Jessica Dardarian. And this was her first time watching a Jess Franco film. You know, it's really interesting bringing people who have never seen a Jess Franco film into the podcast realm because um, I had Lauren Hess on before and she had never seen a Franco film and I showed her the house of lost women, which was kind of graphic and, and pretty like bizarre, you know? So it was like, it, it didn't scare her off, but it was like, Whoa, you know? And now with um, Jessica, who's uh, 
didn't know what to expect or whatever, I brought her in and showed her the kids' film, thinking, okay, it's kind of tame and stuff. But, of course, it's very boring and very long and, and drawn out, so it's not the best Franco film to show her either. But I explained to her all the films that Franco did and the many hundreds of films and all the different genres and, and all that stuff. So it, it's a good example of uh, somebody working in a different style. So there's that. So, yeah, so uh, she's an actress in uh, the last couple films I did. She's uh, the lead in uh, She Knows Ferratu and is in uh, Millie, um, Emmanuel in Sin City and Lady Hyde as well. So, yeah, so she's the guest reviewer on this one. And you'll hear her and me discuss uh, In Search of the Golden Dragon after the break. So, all right, back to the synopsis. All right, synopsis for In Search of the Golden Dragon. On holiday in the Far East, a little girl called Flavia wanders away from her bickering parents and sees a fight between two Chinese men and a woman. The men are searching for a treasure map on behalf of a treasure hunter called Hinowitz. Hearing another child crying nearby, Flavia meets Vanessa, who knows where the map is hidden. The children steal the map. After an ignomatic encounter with a Chinese mystic called Chin, who summons Samura, a martial artist spirit, martial arts spirit, to watch over them, they embark on a search for the treasure. Along the way, Flavia and Vanessa meet a native boy called Rao, who joins them in their quest. However, Hanowitz and his wife are hot on the trail, too, and when the adults manage to steal the treasure map, it seems the children are in peril. Arriving on a mystical cave, arriving at a mystical cave, where the gold is hidden, the children are joined by the mystical Samora, and the adults are defeated. Flavia returns to the hotel. Her parents are relieved to find her safe and sound. All right. Review by Stephen Thor. So he says, Franco's penultimate project... Oh, this is his last film. Okay. So his penultimate project for Golden Films, In Busca del Dragon Dorado, is one of the weirdest things he has ever inflicted on a paying audience. Yes, you could watch this in a cinema back in the day, but you had to be quick. As far as I could tell, it played for one day in Seville and one day in Barcelona. Based yet again around Edgar Allan Poe's The Gold Bug, it's a karate-themed action-adventure for children, starring Antonio Mayan's young daughters, Flavia and Ivana, wandering around the Moroccan scrubland, sorry, Africa, while a pair of dastardly adults try to steal their treasure map. It's certainly unusual and admirable. Two, after the retreads of recent months. That's true, yeah, he's, he's doing something different. But it's also unwatchable for anyone but the very young and the very obsessed, like me. <clears throat> if you're ever so deep into your just Franco safari that you no longer need sex, violence, or the vestiges of storytelling, in Busca del Dragon Dorado possesses much to tickle the senses. I can't in any honestly, I can't in all honestly recommend it to anyone else, like I found, like my guest. Uh, a casual viewer with no prior experience of Franco, ding, 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 would quite rightly treat it like one of those two specialized delicacies served up to an unwitting tourist by bored ethnic minorities. Yikes. Spicy elephant's testicles, bats, vomit, porridge, or a puree of dung beetle. But enough of the health warnings. What's on the menu? 
So, here's the six things he has on the menu for this film. Number one. Inspired by Bruce Lee's patent battle cries, Franco delivers a mystical hero, Samura, played by Caesar Antonio Serrano, who squawks like a deranged bugger pushing absurdity to the maximum in a performance that makes Melissa the Bird Woman from the erotic rites of Frankenstein sound like the lady who reads the radio for shipping forecasts. Number two. Much of the running time is taken up with three primary school children happily strolling along the countryside while various animals and birds, voiced one suspects by a tipsy Franco, yes they are, the chitter chatter and look on. The kids are decent actors, actually, and I'm sure they would have easily coped with the demands of a regular children's drama, but this film, of course, is nothing of the kind. Number three. The highlight is a scene in which a giant tortoise steals a treasure map. It lasts for five minutes, which feels like 20. We follow the intrepid reptile through the scrublands of southern Spain as it wanders slowly away from the sleeping children and delivers the map straight into the laps of the wicked money-grabbing adults who are bivouacked over the nearest hillock. If you've ever had problems with the pacing of a Jess Franco film, this tardy tortoise seems to mock your frustration in one knowing, ironic image. If only for this, In Search of the Golden Dragon deserves your admiration. Admiration. At number four, watch in amazement as Franco takes padding to a whole new level. A stroll through a national park gobbles up another five minutes as the kids go riding on elephants. Number five, despite all the wildlife running around the place, the children are never exposed to danger. Well, except for the scene where a boy of ten years old, Luis Rodriguez, strokes an uncaged tiger. Yeah, that seems pretty wild. Although his IMDb entry has no other film credits, Antonio Mayans assures me that the little daredevil did not get eaten. And finally, number six, the same actor playing protector to Antonio Mayans' daughters beats up a gang of adults with some reasonably convincing karate, one of the few examples of unambiguous male heroism in Jess Franco's cinema. It's very true. All right. It's hard enough to believe such a film exists when you're watching it in the privacy of your own home, but can you imagine seeing it in a cinema? No one could ever accuse Franco of being a slave to convention, and even here, making kitty films on a tin tuppence, he remains stubbornly idiosyncratic. 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 <laughs> a lot of nice words. Uh, the worst of his movies are those that feel as though they could have been made by anyone. And believe me, that's not the case here. I had to almost pinch myself at times, suspecting that maybe I was dreaming the damn thing. Stick with the search of the golden dragon all the way through. You won't, you won't quite believe what you've seen. All right, Franco on screen. Franco seems to be channeling Yoda in his utterly ridiculous role as a Chinese mystic hanging around a seafront bar at the start of the film. In later life, Franco would claim to have inspired the design of Yoda. That's true. Uh, And could it be Franco himself dubbed the martial arts squawks? Yeah, he did. Uh, Music. The score for electric piano and string synthesizer develops a few faintly unsettling themes. Elsewhere, jolly music twitters inanely over adjoining scenes, like something added by your laptop's photo-viewing software. (laughs) Uh, Locations. Shot in the coastal resort of Tarragona and the safari park at Elche. The seafront location is Benidorm. 
connections. This really must be the most preposterous adaptation, in quotes, ever filmed. Quite what it has to do with Poe's The Gold Bug. Except for the treasure hunt aspect, I have no idea. The original tale made great use of cryptograms. In fact, it was the first story to do so, and played a major role in popularizing the concept of code-breaking and cryptography. Cryptoc... Crypto... Saturday night. Cryptoc... Cryptography. If Franco has cunningly concealed cryptographic elements in this film, then it'll take a more perceptive soul than I to decipher them. No, there's nothing in there. Uh, Rosemarie Meunier, as Josette Graff, appeared for Franco again in the very different Un Pito Per Tres. That's a prick for three, or penis for three. Uh, the unknown actor playing Hanowitz's servant, Kumo, would turn up again as Colonel Blimp's cabbie in Deje en Bangkok, at that included. Uh, trip to Bangkok, coffin included. That's like the second one. Uh, the opening shots are identical to those at the beginning of the sexual story of O, namely red roses blooming in a beautiful Spanish garden. It's true. The title was perhaps blooming in a. I'm sorry. The title was perhaps inspired by the Spanish release of Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was renamed In Busca del Arca Perdida, and this is In Busca. Del Dragon Dorado. So yeah, the first three words are the same. Last two are different. Uh, other versions. And he says, Surely a remake is on the cards. Come on, Mr. Tarantino. In Busca del Dragon Dorado is ripe for reinvention. So yeah, I don't know. I do like talking. It's one thing, I mean, I didn't really mention in the review later on, because we did the review, and now I'm doing this uh, opening part later. Um... I did wish that the, and I know Franco voiced like the birds and the monkey and, and other animals in here, but I wish that he would have had him speak English or Spanish or something and not just do animal sounds. That would have been like amazing then, you know, and if I was to remake this, um, I would, I would have him speak English or some language because, uh, I'll give you a little hint here, um, on my new film, Emmanuel in Sin City, um, I have my in floppy do and uh, i i dub her and i and, and she speaks so she's a uh, emmanuel's talking chicken and it's just used as like a, a normal thing like oh yeah i have a talking chicken don't you you know so there's that yeah so i have a fondness for talking animals and uh, as you know it's always part of the franco list um so it's always one of the uh things that you look for so all right, well, uh, get some plugs in here before we go to the bumper and go to the review portion. Of course, there's a donation button on the uh, Red Circle page. Feel free if you want to, one time or reoccurring. It's always there. It's always needed. Uh, you can always download and subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and many more of your favorite platforms. Uh, if you dig the show, if you dig the Desperate Visions Productions movies, any of that stuff, you know, Lady Hyde is on Tubi, and uh, it's going to be on Amazon Prime hopefully soon. They got it. I'm just waiting for them to add it. And um, Mommy 2 is on now. It's a smaller station. I've seen it up there on there. And also, um, 
Zimu is another one that's coming on, and then Nuclear Home Video, top of the year. So, and then uh, of course Lady Hyde and and um, Emmanuel and Sin City and all that, and of course she knows Feratu coming summer of 2023 approximately. Uh, still in production on that. So, yeah. So of course share the word on all that. Frank Observer Podcast, Desperate Visions, any of that stuff. Feel, feel free to tell people about it. That helps me out a lot. That helps me with my advertising. Of course, as a micro budget, you have zero advertising or just social platforms. So, of course, any word of mouth, people talking, always helps me out more than you can imagine. So, please, don't keep it to yourself. Tell everybody. Uh, if you want to tell me about it, you can uh, by email, definitely. I'm here at Franco Observer at yahoo.com. That's one word, Franco Observer at yahoo.com. Uh, we also have pages for the Franco Observer podcast on Facebook and on Instagram, of course. Um, so you can find us there. We're always adding new pages, new pictures, contents, all that stuff. Of course, the mission statement, which I do every day, is uh, praise and memory of Jess Franco, bringing the name and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears. And uh, yeah, I'm doing that through my podcast and through my own films and uh spreading the word of Franco because we all love Uncle Jess and we're always thankful that uh, oh actually yeah one thing I'm going to be hoping for in 2023 since this is the last episode I want uh, definitely I want Barrio Chino to to find his light I want more Franco releases on Blu-ray from Mondo Macabro from Vinegar Syndrome of course from The Mighty Severin and um, Redemption any of those Kino we want some more Franco releases. It'd be good if we get another like three or four this year. That'd be cool. That'd be you know fair. Um, goddamn, you know, almost 180 something films or whatever. You just got to pull some stuff out, especially some of his later stuff. I mean, his later era stuff that I have yet to watch, the video stuff and the stuff Lust for Vampire or Lust for Frankenstein and and the video stuff after that. You know, um, a lot of that's out of print from what I hear. I mean, I own it, but other people don't. Um, that's all DVD, so they could definitely find, uh, you know, you know, there's a market for it. So I'm, I'm curious why that's not been upgraded yet. So hopefully one day soon. All right. Well, um, thanks for hanging out and listening to this, the Franco Observer podcast for the year of 2022. I like I had to look there. Um, I will say thank you once again. Uh, November and December of 2022 have seen record breaking months. Uh, I'm very transparent with everything. So yeah, we're like, uh, going to be up over 800 download or 800 downloads listens for this month. So that's about 200 a week. So that's pretty damn good. About 200 an episode really. Cause we're doing one, one show a week. So, uh, we had five shows this month because of uh, Christmas. So yeah, it's, it's nice. Uh, getting definitely an average of 150 to 200 listens per episode. So thank you all for that. It's awesome to know that, uh, people, listen to the show on a weekly basis subscribe download and all that good stuff uh the numbers are there and i thank you for that so all right hang out past the break and you'll hear me jason rudy and first time franco observer franco film uh viewer jessica dardarian watching and talking about in busca del dragon dorado adios Buenas noches, Maha.
we are back on episode 122, film 125, In Search of the Golden Dragon, based on a Edgar Allan Poe story titled The Golden Bug, uh, this being film 125. Um, today, as a special guest reviewer, uh, we have a first-time Jess Franco viewer, um, a actress here in California. She's been in many films, including um, She Knows Ferratu, A Lady Hyde, and Emmanuel in Sin City. I have today a uh, first-time viewer, first-time guest, Miss Jessica Dardarian. Hello, Jessica. Hi, how's it going? How are you today? I'm fine, thanks. Well, Hope you had a good holiday season. Yes, I did. How about you? It was nice. Very relaxing. Very good. It's always good to hear. So, um, this was a very odd Jess Franco film. Um, I know sometimes it's odd showing a Jess Franco film for the first time to somebody who hasn't seen one. And either they're either too X-rated or they're too weird. And in this one, I showed you a kid's film he did. Um, I know you weren't really a big fan of the film. What did you think about it? I really didn't like it. I mean, it just made absolutely no sense. No transitions. But I mean, the kids are good, but it's just... What was this all about? I mean, I, 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 to me, this movie makes the minions, which I really don't like, look like spirited away. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, it did definitely take its time. It's very, 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 very slow film. It is very slow. Uh, it's basically about these uh, a girl who stumbles upon another little girl who is being threatened by these bad guys and she has a secret treasure map which leads to this gold that they're looking for and so these two little girls um go to a blind um chinese uh person played by jess franco who's like a mystic and he summons a helper like a bruce lee type of clone that follows them around to keep them out of harm's way and along the way to find the treasure, they're visited by a talking monkey, a tiger, a elephant, a, a, a Burmese python, uh, all different kinds of jungle uh, animals, friends and foes. Um, very odd film. Very, very odd. I like yeah. I like that Jess Franco did all the animal noises and voices. Was that was funny. pretty interesting, <laughs> I have to admit. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very odd film. Um, if you're a Franco completist, I'd say watch it. If you haven't seen a Franco film like Jessica hadn't, it's probably not the best film to show. But it's not an offensive film. It won't offend people. There's no bad language or no nudity. There is a little violence in it, um, mostly off screen. Um, but it's just more just bizarre and you have to just be it's funny to see somebody like Jess Franco who made like, you know, horror films and dramas and romance, mystery thrillers, X rated films, hardcore and softcore. He did sex dramas, kids films, karate films, sci-fi films, comic book movies, prison movies, non-exploitation films, devil films, cannibal films, zombie films, jungle films. But he did two, kid, two kids films, and they're probably the least of his films. Uh, Captain of Fifteen Years, uh, based on the Robert Louis Stevenson book, and then this uh, In Search of the Golden Dragon. Um, like uh, Jessica was saying, the two little girls are, are good actors in this. Uh, Antonio Mayan's daughters, um, Flavia and the other girl. Um, the guy that's playing Bruce Lee is very odd. Um, that Jess, was crazy. Yeah, Jess Franco does the like the whole time, kind of a Bruce Lee looking thing. Um, 
I didn't really take a lot of notes in this film because not a lot happens. Um, yeah, I noticed that because some of your podcasts are really long. Like they go like almost an hour and a half. But this one just doesn't seem like it's going to take much time because there was so little going on. Yeah. Yeah. No, there is. It's just it's just you just kind of wait and wait and wait. Um, little things that I noticed was like uh, it's weird that the little girl's parents fight in front of her and, and stuff. And they're like really bad parents because we laugh because like the little girl disappears for a few days and like the parents don't go to find her or take care of her or do anything. They're just or they don't like, even go to prison. Yeah. It's, it's so weird. Um, because that is a crime. Yeah. I'll leave those kids without anybody for days on end. It's just like this total child neglect. I mean, know? kids are innocent. They just cannot, you know, they can't defend themselves. It just makes me really sad. Yeah. Because I've seen so much crime lately and just, why do you do such a thing like that? Yeah, it's funny. And but it was kind of cool that like they had the protector that protected them more than the parents did. Like That's an interesting fact. That 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 was true. Yeah, yeah, he conjured up this like, you know, guy to help him. Um and that was that weird Bruce Lee guy. He bounces he bounces. Well, one scene I liked was when uh the little kids were sleeping by the fire and these guys were going to come and take the map and then he shows up and beats up all the guys before the fire comes before the daylight appears and the fire goes out and the little kids wake up and all the guys are all beat up laying around them and they didn't know what happened so it was kind of funny and it's funny too because people are doing all these karate scenes and they're wearing like jeans in it which is kind of interesting you know to see uh people with kung fu jeans on so um i also like the um the part where they come up across the burmese python and uh the bruce lee guy comes up and kind of does like this little spell to make the snake go back to sleep or back away from him and it's like a really long scene where he's just bouncing around and moving his hands up and down and all this stuff and then the snake goes to sleep it's kind of bizarre it puts a spell on the snake you know but uh yeah i know it's of his pacing this is probably the one that is one of the slowest franco films i've seen um and the version we watched was on youtube with generated subtitles and the subtitles did not match the English. No, it did not. No, some of it was really off. We were laughing. I kept saying applause when there's no applause. And then the one that really caught me the most was when Wikilinks was on there. I mean, this was a film in the 1980s. Yeah. And the internet wasn't even in its inception yet and you had Wikilinks on there and Wikipedia wasn't even around. So that was the kicker for me. I know that was in the cave at the end. They say a, a wiki leaks in the in the uh, translation. Sorry for spoiler alerts. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's definitely not a spoiler. You're you're okay with giving that away. And actually, on the spoilers on this, they're so minimal. It's 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 not a not a problem at all. And also, you're basing a movie on a short story like The Golden Bug by Edgar Allan Poe, and it's so hard to do that in a feature length film when you are doing th- this short story and just stretching it out that's the biggest problem i have i mean not to change the subject i have with the musical cats because they're just based on little poems by t.s Eliot, and you just stretch it into this big mega musical and it makes absolutely no sense why would you do that i mean maybe money or box office numbers or just people are into oddities yeah, no, I think I think I think you got a point there with that because it seems like uh, you know when you're doing something like that, it's just a project. And, and like with Franco, he's he's done stuff before with Edgar Allan Poe and and other named authors, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, and that. But he's mostly just used a few concepts from the idea and doesn't do a faithful um, translation of the of, 
of the source, you know. Robert Louis Stevenson, I get because he has written novels that are feature length. And yeah, Treasure Island, um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. That I get that because they are detailed stories. There's a middle, beginning, and end, and transitions like. There was really literally no transitions in this movie. No, I think the only concept they used was just the um, was the codes that got seen when light hit it, and then finding a golden treasure, and then using the light where the sun comes through to show where the treasure is. That's probably the only three aspects of the golden bug they used, and the rest was all just yeah. made up stuff, you know, that he did. Which I mean, as a creator. Everything's taken from something else and changed, but still with that's the, true. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it was it's an interesting film. Um, it's not on DVD. It's not on Blu-ray. It's on YouTube. It's a really poor quality print, bootleg uh, copy. I guess I would say that. I, yeah, I don't want to sound offensive or anything. No, but. It's, no, it is. And what they they call that the gray market. So it's kind of like there's no rights to it. It's just there. that's interesting. I never heard that term gray market. Yeah, because there's black market is things you can't get, and then gray market's like oh, there's really no rights to it it's up in the air there's a lot of questions so you can kind of get it while you can type of deal you know interesting it's not officially owned by anybody or put out by anybody it's just kind of there so there's a lot of films from the 50s to the 80s that are kind of that way especially with the digital age and such you know yeah and it's really hard to upload movies that have really have little to no distribution and uploading on a digital platform like vimeo and youtube or any other of those like streaming platforms but especially YouTube and Vimeo because some movies are just so hard to find that you can't even watch it on YouTube or Vimeo. Yeah, and there's some films that are hard to find that are really good and there's other films that are hard to find and you realize why they are hard to find like this one. It's like there's a reason why films aren't out there is because sometimes they're just not very good unfortunately and you have to kind of watch it one time to see, you know. Yeah. But, or they just want to hide it from you so no one else can see it. Maybe that's the thing. Or also, too, uh, a musical distribution. A lot of times they'll pay for music, and then when it comes out on DVD and video, they have to pay a lot more money, and they won't do it, and then it goes in limbo, you know? A lot, there's a lot of that with... Or they'll cut out music and little things like that. It's a very interesting point you made. Yeah, I know. You see that a lot with certain, like, rock and roll stuff, music. Especially, yeah. like, popular music and stuff. Um, I never even thought of that. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's kept a lot of films uh, away, or they'll cut out a song or, or do things. So yeah, the copyright laws are very strict with that, too. Like, for instance, WKRP in Cincinnati, when that came on home DVD, the first season they put out and it had no music in it, or a lot of it was gone, and people didn't want to buy it, so then they had to go out and pay all these people the money to get the rights back to the songs for the episodes, and then they came back with... Rolling Stones, Bob Seger, oh, and all those wow. famous things. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, so that makes a lot of difference with that, you know. Or or they'll be on the internet because you can watch it there, but if it's made into a DVD or another thing, then they have to pay extra for that. So that's most of the time it's it's yeah. licensing rights. And, and such. it can get really expensive, even if you buy it on Amazon or um, eBay. Yeah. No, Especially when it's out of print. Yeah, I don't think it's really crazy, and then people can charge what they want for it. I mean,. It took me a lot of guts, I mean, not to change the subject again, to find Lance Henriksen's book, Not Bad for a Human. I mean, it is so expensive, so many of the copies there are. But yet I lucked out and found one that was reasonably priced and not in the 200s or 300s price range. 
And last Christmas, I managed to get the book. I mean, I was so pleased because it's such a hard book to find. And his show Millennium is really hard to find, too. And the DVDs are like almost $200. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it comes in that black market. Like, that people can charge what they want because they, there's, there's... It's crazy. Yeah, I know, that's stupid. And then, and then somebody will release it, then all the prices will go way down because then it's easy to get, you know. Yeah, it changes. I like just that. wish Millennium would stream somewhere because I do want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. It seems like with all the streaming services now, if if Fox ever put out a streaming service, it's uh, also Fox is Disney now. That's true. So maybe yeah, Hulu probably. Yeah, that'd probably be it because I don't think it would be on Disney Plus. You know, no, content, no so. way. But it's too dark. All right, all right. Um, I'm going to jump on this Franco list and go through the items that I make a checklist of that are either featured or not featured in his films. Um, a lot of this is not in this film because this is a kid's movie, so there's not a lot of his usual salacious elements into it. Thank God. So, um, okay, number one on the list is a body of water. Yes, we have a body of water in the film. We see a few times. Number two, sailboats. Uh, there's no sailboats in this film. Sailboats represent dreams. Sailboats represent going on to a voyage of your fantasy into your other side, and there's nothing like that in here. Uh, three, uh, boats. Yeah, we see some boats in the water. Four, palm trees. Yes, there's plenty of palm trees in this film. Number five, jungle sound effects. Yes, a lot of this film takes place in the jungle, so you have all the uh, macaws and monkeys and birds and all this stuff. Um, especially voice the jungle Franco. setting was really nice though it almost was like a different jungle book yeah and the cave they were in was pretty cool in the end when she fell in that yeah. cave that was, a, that was a neat set and it looked, it looked really that cool. was interesting yeah there's there's some nice locations the only problem I had was the kids riding the elephant because as right. someone who is a staunch animal rights supporter I mean that's like exploiting an elephant that just made me uncomfortable that's that's understandable especially I mean, with 2022 20, eyes you know. and, and I get it with a horse because they're meant to be ridden not the wild ones but right domesticated horses but an elephant yeah and they're also endangered them. animals and i need this uh, yeah. we need to bring awareness to why this is problematic today and i did not even realize just franco played a colored character and that is very problematic today because we are all about you know representation mad which, which or, colored character did he play you mentioned something. Well, he plays an Asian, a blind Asian man in this, but he's not doing a stereotypical thing to it or anything. He rolls his eyes up like he's blind to show he's blind, to show the white of well, his Well, yeah, you know? but uh, I don't know. I'm just very, um, you know, yeah, he, weird he, he by do, whitewashing. He doesn't do blackface or nothing. And, and just Thank was, God. Yeah, no, and he was Spanish and, and everything. So Yeah, that's you know, true. But you know. still, I think an Asian actor should have played the role. But yeah. that's just me. I'm all about representation matters. That makes sense. And it, because we had the Black Lives Matter movement and we had to, you know, change things a little bit. That's plus, also plus two. This was made in 1983, and Jess Franco was just thinking about how quick he can make a movie. He wasn't thinking about representation and uh, those things. That's so, true. Yeah, so you got to think. I that think into, I just know. want to raise awareness to that as well. Oh, that's definitely fine. Yeah, and you always definitely should do that. Um, number six, chained up person. No. Uh, number seven, dance scenes on stage. Any stripping scenes? Like I said, no, it's a kids' movie, so nothing like that in here. Number eight, club scenes, dancing in a bar. No. Number nine, jazz music. No jazz music, but there was a couple songs that got on Jessica's nerves. Oh. With music in this. <laughs> 
you <laughs> did not like the music. <laughs> I remember that. It was it's funny. very repetitive. Yes, it was. Uh, number two, 10, excessive zooms. No, 11, out of focus shots. No, everything was pretty much in focus for this film. Uh, 12, mirror shots. Didn't really catch any. Uh, 13, mind control themes. No mind control themes in this. Number 15, red light. No red lights. Number 16, sheepskin rug or a, a masturbation with a C item. Nothing like that. No. That's a kid's movie. So that's that a kid's movie. No. Like that. 17, mad scientist and servant. No mad scientist and no mad scientist servant. 18, talking, or I'm sorry, fish tank shots. No. 19, talking parrots. Well, no, but they had talking animals. Uh, just Franco does the monkey voice. He doesn't speak English, but he just makes monkey sounds. He does a snake hiss. He does um, a few other jungle sound effects. So, just Did Franco. he do the macaw? Yeah, the macaw. And also he did the Bruce Lee guy that... Oh, yes, yes, yes. He does that weird thing all the way through. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, number 20, in credits, yes or no. Yes, it says Finn, F-I-N. Uh, 21, handwritten notes. Uh, well, there's these, the thing they read that has the symbols, and I, I would probably count that for that. Uh, 22, spiral staircase shot. No, there's no spiral staircases in this film. Because they were, they were in a jungle yeah, most yeah. of the time. I mean, what yeah. was the point? Yeah, there's apartments, but there's no spiral staircases in the apartments in the beginning and the end. But that's, yes, yeah. that's true, and near a beach. Yeah. 23, inept cops, no. Number and two. there was a dog in the beginning of the film. Oh, yeah, that cute little dog that she was feeding. Probably a long-haired chihuahua it looked like. Yeah, I'm not sure what kind of dog that was. Yeah. Just a cute little dog. It was it's not a Pomeranian, I can tell you that. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, 25, Kinks None, 26, Great Headboard. Uh, I didn't see any great headboards in this film. Uh, number 27, Fear or Desire. Well, I'd say Desire because they all desire the treasure that they're all seeking to find is the treasure. Yes, and the gold bug. Yeah. Uh, 28, Acoustic Guitar Player. No acoustic guitar player in this film. Nobody's sitting around strumming a guitar. 29, Reading a Book Scene. No, they read these. The I think the, they read the, the scroll, scroll that yeah. was in Japanese. I believe so. Yeah, it looks like kanji text um, or kanji script. Uh, and then finally, thirty. Is there a pee scene? Yeah, the little girl talks about how she has to take her dog to go pee in the beginning, which I laugh because Franca always has to put a scene where somebody's talking about going pee or having to pee or something. So, but it's a dog this time. Yeah, so she says, "I need to take the dog to go pee. He has to go pee." So, I thought that was kind of funny, just bizarre. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I think in closing, this is probably not a film that I'll probably ever watch again, but it is the second time I've watched it. Um, yeah, I. Definitely won't look back at this movie again. No. I mean, I've seen a lot of bad movies, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this is not the worst movie I've seen. Franco's made a few worse films than this that I've seen, like two worse really? films. Really? Yeah, yeah, that are just boring. I mean, this was boring, but it had some interesting things, and I laughed a few times. Yeah. You know. There were some interesting elements, too. Like I mentioned, you know, the Jungle Book. Yeah. That's interesting. Something that has that kind of a thematic thing i oh fine with that and one scene that was really thrilling was when that 12 year old boy petted that tiger that was like so oh dangerous. man yes that scene with the tiger i was like how did this kid not get hurt i mean that is so dangerous to pet a wild tiger like that but any big cat like that. yeah not in a cage or nothing he's just right next to him like maybe chained around that's god about it. i yeah, mean it's so dangerous thank god it wasn't like that movie roar yeah. the most dangerous movie of all time i mean oh, tippy hedron yeah yeah 
Yeah, I mean, that was insane. That All is. those big cats. Yeah, jumping through the windows and right on the and then living with them. Ripping and, your head off and ugh. requiring a lot of s- stitches. Yeah, scalping and all that stuff. This is terrible. So, yeah, it was crazy, crazy, crazy. Crazy, crazy. Well, I think this was a very crazy film, and uh, I do like Jess Franco for trying different things. You don't know until you try, and I like that he probably made this for like $500 probably or something. He spent very little money, very little cast. He just went out in the jungle, filmed a bunch of stuff and seen how it went. Um, it didn't make very much money. I've read it only played in two theaters, one day each theater, only like two days of playing. So, um, But yeah, it's kind of interesting that you could go into a theater and watch this movie. It's bizarre, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean... It was crazy. I mean, yeah. $500. Well, I was just a guess. Yeah, I mean, he, those are just his friends, and he went out and, you know, pay the kids, and just a real cheap little thing. That's why I like it, is to show you, with a few people, you can go out and make something, you know, with yeah, I mean, money. You don't know unless you try. I mean, I never saw a movie of just Franco's, and, you know, you don't know unless you try. Yeah. You know, you don't know unless you try. I mean, I love exploring new things, and... I'm glad I got introduced to him, and hopefully I'll see some of his other works. Like I mentioned, She Killed in Ecstasy is a film I want to see because it's Lady Hyde, and I was in Lady Hyde, yep. and that will make sense to me because I was in yeah. that you know, retelling. Yeah, and you can kind of see the original and see the differences and what's the similarities, and, 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 and you already have a kind of a backstory into it. You kind of know what's going to happen before it happens because we've already done it. So you know, Yeah, so that's, that's true. Cool. So that helps. So. All right. Well, um, thank you very much, Jessica, for joining me today on the podcast. Well, no problem at all. It was very cool for you to come over here and watch this uh, Jess Franco film. And uh, <laughs> maybe I'll show you a better Jess Franco film in the future than this one. But this was a good first film, I think, to show you because it's, it's not too crazy and not too, you know, nothing offensive besides the animal stuff. And it's, it's you Yeah, know, the animal stuff was the one that got to me the most. Yeah. Same with, you know, the portrayal of an Asian character because, yeah, yeah. I do not... I don't do that. That makes sense. It, it, it's for its time. I get it. It was it was the time, but now it's deemed racist, and I don't handle it very well at all. That makes sense. So, well, cool. Well, thank you very much, and uh, buenas noches, maha. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>